G'day and welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. This is episode 837. This is my interview with Grant Aldrich and today we're discussing higher education, the current trends and online degrees. I hope you enjoy. Hey and welcome to another interview on the Hidden Why Podcast. I hope you guys are well. Thanks for tuning in and uh, certainly hope you're enjoying all the content that's uh, being released here at The Hidden Why. I would love to hear from you guys. As always, uh, reach out to me, my email address, thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. You can also connect with me through Facebook or Facebook Messenger even if you wish to reach out. I would love to hear your thoughts on the show, what you love, what you're listening to, what you're enjoying, what you're not enjoying, and um, just a bit of feedback anyway. Today, I have a um, yeah, fantastic conversation with Grant Aldrich. He is the founder of OnlineDegree.com and his mission is to make higher education more accessible and affordable for everyone. And he's certainly doing that, um, being released or launched mid-2018. He's had a huge number of people come through the platform to uh, start their educational journey. And I think it's a really important topic of conversation, education, the nature of the changing workforce, what it means and how education plays a role in that and to make it more affordable and accessible and what that means actually for the greater population as well. I think it's really, really important conversation. Um, There's certainly a lot of unanswered questions here, um, but we tackle a lot of the really important ones as well. And Grant and I both at the end of it uh, feel that we had a really nice conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it on the same levels and feel free to reach out to Grant too if you have any further questions as well. Uh, guys, enjoy the show, and we'll speak at the other end. G'day, Grant. Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. Great to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me, Lee. That's so cool. Um, Grant, you've got, well, we've got lots to talk about today, I suppose, but you reached out, and um, I found it really fascinating what you're doing, and, and the, the topic of education, I suppose, I find it really relevant today. I think it's going to be a, a something that we need to discuss more, and I don't think anyone has the correct solution for it, but certainly you've got one solution. Um, that you've come up with. But before we jump into all of that, um, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, I've been in startups my whole career. Yeah. And I, pri- I was lucky in that I exited two prior to what I'm doing now. And what was most important was that right after the, the sale of my last company, um, I had a pretty traumatic incident that set me on a completely different path, this Mm. current path that I'm on, that I didn't expect. Um, I almost died drowning in Northern California. What were you doing? Well, let me take you a little step. No, I I wish that I could blame it on that. But unfortunately, I I can only blame myself and my own stupidity in that I was out in the water during a surf advisory during a storm at one of just south of one of the most dangerous beaches in, in, uh, in the country. Okay. And I just I, I, I just thought that I would go out to get a little cold for some cold exposure for health reasons. Didn't anticipate going swimming that day. And so in freezing water in a storm, I just got caught. And uh, yeah, I thought I was dead for sure. Right. So you, you weren't surfing. You were just going out to, to get the cold exposure. Exactly. And, uh, and, and to give you some context, this, um, the prior year, 2015, was – the greatest year of my life. In that one year, I got married. I sold my company. What was the company? And it was a company in healthcare. Unfortunately, it's not here anymore. The company we were acquired by a publicly traded company called Interactive Core, uh, which is this big company that owns many of the internet websites that everyone probably uses every day. Hmm. And uh, it was in. We were doing um, a platform in healthcare, and it's they. It, it's no longer around kind of sadly. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so yeah, married in 2015, sold the company and I had, uh, my wife was pregnant with our first son. So it was really a a bang up year. And on that, in, in, in my, the path that I was going to be going on was I think one that was very selfish from that standpoint. I thought, okay, great. Well now after you're, you know, you have a little bit of a taste of success. Yeah. Well, I have to go bigger now and I have to go and create a thousand person company and go with bigger, with more money, all these things that in hindsight, I think were wrong. And in 2016, in February, I had this incident and it just, 
it triggered an introspective period, realizing how fragile life is. And then I realized I didn't want any of it. Hmm. And I instead, um, I wanted to be happy and I reprioritized. I really learned what, what would make me happy. And I wanted to focus on my family and I wanted to, to build something that was more important as a mission than just making money. Didn't care about it anymore. I mm. wanted to do what was what I thought was the right thing to do, and that kind of what was the genesis of the of OnlineDegree.com. So your your scare in the water that day really made you think about your priorities in life. Yeah, you know, it made me ask. Uh, it really made me ask a key question, and um, I would recommend this for all of your listeners, mm. right? Because I think the key thing to being for all, everything in life and what, you know, path you're going to take or whatever you want to do, career, before you do anything, you have to ask yourself one foundational thing. And it's a, it's a maxim that's over 2,000 years old from ancient Greece, and it's yeah. know thyself. And the for, for maybe people who don't know what that is, know thyself was written on the temple of Apollo in ancient Greece, which was the god of wisdom. Yeah. And the, the logic being that if you don't know yourself, what could you possibly know? Hmm. And I always thought that was very powerful. And I, and I did. I, I really went through a period. I was lucky to ask myself, you know, what do I want? No, I don't want a big company with thousands of employees. You know, I, I want to be with my family. And that was the period Isn't after you went through that, that moment. Correct. Is what you're talking about. Okay. Was it a build-up to that, or like were you, was was it boiling there anyway? And that was just the catalyst to, to trigger the, the most intense action on it? You know, well, what was latent was this unhappiness, you know, right. that, um, that I wasn't so fulfilled in what I had been doing. Yeah. But I think that um, I didn't realize it yet. Because, again, you know, when people look at their lives, they don't always use the right rubric to determine if they're happy. Hmm. You really have to know yourself to determine, oh my gosh, this, this one thing I've been doing, I'm totally unhappy every day. You know, rarely do we, we give ourselves that time. We're normally so busy and consumed right. with our daily routine. So perhaps why most of us are so unhappy is because we don't really know ourselves and what is important to us. That's exactly right. And so, you know, I realized that, for example, uh, I wasn't, I, I wanted my lifestyle to be very family centric and that in my prior life, I was working with pharmaceutical companies and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but you don't, you're not happy going to work every day, making them money, right? Mm. That was not what I wanted. So instead I, I, I kind of thought about what would be a challenge that I cared about. And that's how I got onto education. Okay. What was the process? I mean, I, I'm just curious about the process of going from, okay, there's something not quite right here. You've had a bit of a moment where you've just thought, okay, hang on, life, this isn't life for me. What was the process of understanding yourself and knowing yourself? Like, what did you go through? Did you go through a series of questions? Was there any courses you did? Was it just a, a lot of self-reflection over a period of, you know, X, Y, Z months or, you know? That's a great question. No, it was, I think it was the latter. I think over the period, because it didn't happen instantly, right? Yeah. You don't like come out of the water and, or out of any traumatic event and have an epiphany. At least I don't think so. No, I, I wouldn't think so either. And a lot of people do talk about it. And, and I, I totally understand that having a, a, maybe a near death experience, which I've never had, but having that moment, yeah, you're probably going to be shaken up and you're going to actually be looking at things a little bit different. And um, that could snowball into a lot more reflection and, you know, perhaps what had happened for you. Well, you know what, the one, the one thing I did focus on was that I was sitting there and again, remember the context, 2015, this great year, two months later, I'm in the water and I, and I know that I'm probably going to die at this point because of, of everything was there. And I'm looking on the beach and my wife was on the beach and it was a very traumatic event for her as well, looking for, her. and you know, you, you, you look at that moment. And the only thing that is, because it happens so quickly, the only thing you do realize in a moment like that is that, A, yep, I'm going to die. And B, I can't believe it's right now. Yeah. And so leaving that event, you then ask yourself, well, if I, you know, this can happen at any moment. Hmm. Am I doing something every day that I like? And, and so you start going through this iterative you know, kind of process and you start cycling through all the aspects of your life of what's important and you begin to prioritize. And I think that's what, what comes first. You prioritize what's, what makes you happy. Hmm. And for me, it was that, wow, I've got this son coming. And like the thought that I would, maybe I would have never have met him, um, 
would just broke my heart. And then of course, well then if I'm there, but I'm not really there, does that make any difference? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And anyhow, so no, I think it's more the latter. Okay. So just over a, a what was the course from, from that, that moment and then starting online degree.com? Yeah, the first thing that uh, I kind of came up with a few edicts, and one was that I wasn't willing to compromise the lifestyle. So I'll give you an example. Mm. Um, I decided that I wanted a virtual company, and I wanted to work from home. Yep. And I, I do have an office, but I'm just never there uh, because I wanted to be close to family, and or I could you know take a 15, 20-minute break, be with them, you know, and then go back to work. So that was to give to kind of. It's not it for everyone, is it? That sort of lifestyle. I mean, I absolutely love working from home. I think it's fantastic. I agree. It isn't for everyone, and I think a lot of people are also kind of afraid that maybe they wouldn't get anything done. But no, I, I'm with you. I agree. It's it's. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, if you don't have that self discipline or drive, I suppose, then yeah, that's the, the biggest obstacle is being at home. You may not get anything done. I agree. And I think that that what the the counterbalance to that is if you've got this mission or something that you're working on or an entrepreneurial venture, it really keeps you motivated. So, mm. but and yet keeps everything in check to help yeah. kind of to, again. So, um, but that goes back to so, having something that you're sorry to interject there, but that ha- having something that has has meaning to you, has you know, beyond yourself. It's not just about, you know, making money or or just working a job. It's it's doing something that's more important. It's more significant and not only for the people that you're impacting, but also for, you know, the ability to be there for your family. That's right. And so, you know, if I would, had gone the previous path, I probably would have picked a, um, a business venture yeah. um, for my next one that would have been uh, probably just m- more money motivated. Yeah. And, and more, and of course, um, I, I did want to have a bigger company. So it would have been money motivated and something I could grow to be bigger. But in this case, I, you know, I've, my family has always been in education and I left college with a huge amount of student debt and I, and I paid it off in my late twenties and it always had left this scar on me. So when I was sitting around thinking about it, I just, it just kind of kept coming back. I'm like, no, this is the problem to solve. I really wanted to solve a huge problem. And so I could make the biggest impact possible, but not the biggest company, just the biggest impact. Hmm. That was what changed. Yeah. Yeah. So what is, what is the, the mission of, of the online degree.com? What is your mission there? The mission is to make college more affordable and accessible for everybody. Hmm. And in a world today, where student debt is just going through the roof and that people are not able to get the skills they need with in the face of automation and globalization and all these macro forces that are making the job market more competitive. That's the, that's the challenge I want to solve. And the way we do is at onlinedegree.com, anybody can get started in 60 seconds, register Start taking as many college level courses as they'd like. So they are, and then certified courses. These are these are courses. Then what we do is we or, we organize articulations with universities across the country, so that people can receive credit for the courses that they take. We then go a little step farther, and that we also organize tuition discounts for them and provide free student advising and coaching, and we do all of it for free. Yeah. Yeah. All of it for free. So where's, how is it sustainable? Yeah, great question. So in, in making, in giving this to as many people as possible, I knew that it had to be free because if you understand, you know, for example, um, in the U S alone, there's about 35 to 40 million working adults who want a better career or want to upskill in some pathway or go back to school, but just haven't taken the first step. And usually they're not taking the first step because of, you know, psychological anxieties, you know, going back into a classroom, will I be successful? Um, They're busy. we all have busy lives, right? The time. Um, And then also the money. And so if, if, and so they they want to go, it's in the back of their mind, but it's just a big leap to jump in the pool. And Mm. so this is an opportunity to wade into the pool. And so I knew it had to be free to cater to that anxiety. So hey, is it the in. resource that's free or is it, I mean, can we actually get a degree for free? 
No, just that just what we do is free. So we help you to get the degree faster, lower yep. the cost of education, get the help that you need. All that's for free. Okay. But right. you then would finish at one of the different schools we have. It's almost like a modern alternative to a community college. Yeah. So if I wanted to go and, in there and get my teaching um, diploma or whatever, I could I could do that through online. You career. could get started. Yeah, you could get started and apply credits. So for example, let's say if you want to get that, um, you, you let's say you want to be a teacher, um, and you could get started with us, and we've got a bunch of introductory courses and in, in up to forty four units, which is almost about past your into your sophomore year almost. Um, so at least your first year, plus we've got 10, 20% discounts at different schools. So all in, you could be saving up to, you know, 30, 35% yeah. when you actually show up at the school. It's a big deal. Okay. And the way that we make money is that as students go through the platform and they, they, it's almost self-vetting, right? They, they prove to themselves they can do it. It's a huge benefit for the universities as well, because one of the things that people don't know is that universities are are in a very desperate situation to find better students, students who've proven that they can be successful online, yep. proven that they've got the motivation to complete their, their program. And so for them, this is a great program as well, because students are preparing themselves to be successful when they do go to university. So universities have loved it and they sponsor everything on the website. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, um, and what's, what's, so how long has this been going for now? We launched in July of 2018 after two years of preparation, right. um, and uh, it's just it's just gone. Enrollment numbers you know, now. It's gone far past I could have imagined. So we hit 10,000 students in April, um, adding now 2,000 or 2,500 more every single month, and it's all been through word of mouth, um, natural you know traffic on the website, and some very light social media marketing. It's really just been a complete groundswell and I think a testament to the demand that's out there for people well, yeah, to you've, really... Well, yeah, you've found a gap there, haven't you? Because, I mean, that, like you said, that problem, there's so many people out there that want to go and further their education but have those, you know, one of those three constraints that you mentioned. And I would say that time and costs are probably the biggest two. You're right. Yep, that's exactly it. So, um, so we've gotten great response there. We've been in, in a lot of publications like Forbes and Inside Higher Ed and Killer Startups and um, great press reception. And then we've got great university adoption, um, you know, excellent schools, state schools, yeah. private schools. Um, so it's, it's just really been growing far beyond uh, what I initially thought and at the speed, which I would have thought. Yeah, that's, that's rapid, isn't it? What, you're a year and a bit in, so... Yeah. So it. So um, and this is available yeah, just then, in America at the moment. Correct. So we're but we're going to be opening it up soon. So when we initially started, um, I I kept it just towards um, U.S. universities and for U.S. students because I wanted to focus our customer service you know resources in the most effective way. But now, um, based on the success and the demand, most of our demand actually comes internationally. So yeah. we, I mean, as of right now, when someone comes on the site, they get, if they're, you know, if you're not a U.S. citizen or based in the U.S., you can't start. But we have literally just as many students we turn down internationally who want to go to school in the U.S., but don't want to pay the full price for U.S. tuition. Yeah. So we're a great resource for that. And very soon now, we're going to be opening that up. Wow. Okay. Lots to, uh, lots to transform. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I hope that, and I think that also making it free is a key piece in this, is that, that we really become the platform where students get to you know, bridge back to school, save that time and money, and the schools and the universities continue to get added so that, uh, and, and there's more perks that they provide. And so it's a completely different system that we'll have and a way to lower the cost of tuition without any taxpayer dollars. Yeah, yeah, very nice. I mean, there's there's obviously lots of things um, changing and needing to be changed um, with education overall, but college education specifically. I remember going uh, to university here in Australia, and it was expensive. I don't think it's quite as expensive as uh, over in the states there. Um, but I found it, to be honest, quite um, quite a waste of time. Like, um, if, if I'm yeah. to be honest, it was um, you know I didn't really need to be there to study. Um, so I could do it. And I guess 
again, going back to our thoughts before self-discipline and drive, like I could easily, you know, study and, and commit to that without having that leadership or influence behind me. Whereas I guess there's a lot of students that don't. So that's probably a challenge that you will face with uh, the online degree courses. How do you get people to enroll? Because I know from, um, from other conversations I've had that a lot of people enroll in courses and then it doesn't go any further. So, I mean, we can probably touch on that, you know, at some point as well. But the whole idea for university for me was just like I'm, I'm spending all this money to get a, a degree that essentially, I, I, you know, I probably used parts of it, um, but not directly, if that makes sense. And and now I, I can't see, I can't see why college education is is as necessary as it perhaps once was thought necessary. Well, I think you're right. I think that you know the internet has created um, just a, a wide assortment of careers and pathways that don't necessarily require a degree. Like I think with what you're doing, I mean, you're self-made. Everything. There's so many things that um, have added to your success that have nothing to do with a degree. And, but at this, and so you could look at a degree and say, okay, you're right. It, like, just as you pointed out, it's time, it's money. But you, for many people, a degree is still very important. If you go into the workforce, it's still one of the number one things that hire that, um, you know, HR and companies look for. And the reason, and I think that the, the problem has been now is that the cost benefit has got, become completely out of whack. Yes. And that's why we're seeing this resurgence and this wave of, um, you know, this, this, this kind of sea change that we've been seeing is because, yeah, well, sure, in a perfect world, I'd love to have a degree to be more competitive, but I'm not willing to give up my arm. <laughs> so, and so I think that once we bring that back in balance, it will, it will change the equation and people, I think it'll be, it'll, it'll kind of put people back on that track. Okay. That makes sense. I know a lot of companies, well, I've heard a lot of companies are now, disregarding college education or at least not making it a mandatory um, requirement for employment. That's right. You know, I think that's being spearheaded by a lot of the tech companies. And I think that's another good example where, you know, if you're, if you're a phenomenal coder and you've learned how to code, well, it doesn't necessarily make any difference where you got your degree. I mean, maybe you didn't even get a degree in computer science. You got a degree in philosophy, but you yeah. picked it up and you're you're the you're just fantastic at it. Although I, I think that's the case. I think that if we were to peel that onion back, when if it was a tough, you know, if it was a tough environment, competitive screening, and you were up against someone else and that person did have a degree, I think that their team would say, and the data kind of supports this, well, you know, maybe we're getting a more well-rounded person if that person has a degree. And so, you know, it's not, it may not be the world that you or I would choose, but it still is the world we live in. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you see that changing, however, like with, with the way um, the jobs are changing and, and the world's restructuring, do you think that that's going to continue to change? Because there's, there's a lot more people out there now that are just going out and, and starting their own businesses um, than perhaps before. And I don't know if I've, I'm correct on that. I don't know the stats, but uh, I just get a feeling that that's, you know, just in my circle alone, there's a lot more people saying, no, you know what, I'm going to actually do my own thing and I'm going to start my own company and I'm going to fragment down and serve a smaller, you know, area, but just live more aligned with my values and my life that I want. Well, yes and no. So I think that you and I would have some network bias, right? Because all the people in our networks are probably fellow entrepreneurs, they're sure. fellow self-starters. Yeah. And so yeah. we would probably be, be guilty of that bias. Yeah, that's but, true. And so, yeah, I think that's true, that those people exist and that's a growing segment. I also think, though, that there are many, many people. Um, I think the largest in the um, – you know, if you looked at most jobs in the world, it's all you're employed by someone. And for them, those jobs are going to be more competitive because you've got these forces that are that are coming in like – automation, right? Robots are going to wipe out millions and millions of jobs. And all that does is make the other jobs more competitive. And in that competition, little things like this, well, not little things, a degree is going to have a factor, um, among others. Yeah. Or, um, so I think that for, for, for some segments, no, it probably doesn't. I think that the, the die has been cast with technology and that they won't need it. But for many, yes, it will definitely be a requirement. So how far can we can we go with this model of making education cheaper? Could we take it as far as making education for free? Because I think a, a really good 
point that you made that I, I like about the model is that there are so many people out there that just have those barriers to entry because of the time or cost constraints um, that putting them in there and having that education available to them, you now we're now tapping into such a greater resource of people and potential um, and then that potential you know for the innovation for the world overall is going to be significant as well. I mean, can we take it to a free model? You know, I think eventually we could get to something like that. I'll tell you that some of the some of the, the limitations in the United States is that it's very challenging to start a university. Hmm. And to get there, it's basically, from what I've been told, a, a seven-year road just to create and have the accreditation and everything. And I think it's purposeful. You know, they're trying to limit the number of schools now that are created. So it's a long, hard path. And, and because of that, it stifles a lot of innovation. Um, because, you know, these schools, it requires a lot of money, a lot of, you know, the way that they're currently structured. So I think eventually we are going to start to see that and maybe we can help usher that process in. Um, but I think it's baby steps. You know, first, why don't we use the tools that are at our disposal today to lower the cost substantially hmm. and then pave the way where, yep, yeah, well, we just keep chipping away at the costs. And I think that, you know, for example, even well, we've sort product, of gone away from that model. I mean, it was always about free education. Then we started creating, you know, the free education models at a lower level, I suppose. And then that's when we started, like even now, like with elementary and high schools, you know, it's, it's privatized and, and a lot more expensive as well. Yeah, I think the main problem that we're seeing is that governments around the world are are broke. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, we can't keep offering more services like, um, you know, if it, when, when you offer universal health care, it's, it's expensive. And um, same thing with education or um, these, these things that people, the populace wants. So I think that's the challenge mm. that we're going to face. Because remember, none of these things are free. If, no. if, if it's if it's free to us, that means we're paying for it through taxes or through whatever we're doing. Yeah. And that's, I think, yeah. and then of course, if it is free, there's other problems that emerge um, because, like, not to make an, you know, not to make the comparison to healthcare. Well, then you have long waiting lines, or you don't get uh, the access to as good a care as you could get. You know, there's all these little problems that creep up, so you just never know. Yeah, yeah, it's less focused service as well, I suppose. Correct. More just uh, tick and flick. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly where where the education is going. I, I feel that um, with education generally, there's not enough on time. It's just all theoretical, and I think that was a big problem with um, the university education for me. Anyway, it would have been better to have put me into a company, and at the same time as working, had had that study the theoretical side of it as well combined. Is there a you know? Is there some sort of thought or or process you have on that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. You know, I, I on one on one side, I agree with the philosophy of a liberal arts, like holistic education, where the philosophy is they teach you how to think as opposed to teaching you, let's say, a trade. Yeah. And they've done studies where people who apply that, right, when they put them in the job force with, let's say, in something very complicated like uh, you know, nuclear engineering. That the technical people do well initially, but those people eventually are able to adapt and surpass them. And so, but I think that at the college level, that's too late. I think that mm. if you're already doing that at college, that you would have had to have been having that kind of education far earlier, even from when you were a young child. That's my own personal view. Yeah. So I think for most people who take a more traditional public kind of school um, pathway, well, no, I would agree that, you know, once you get to college, you probably kind of have an degree of what what your an idea of what degree you'd like, you know, and then it would be much better to get hands-on experience to complement that. I, I'm I'm with you. Do you think like I mean, if you look at generations past, I mean, a lot of them didn't you know even finish high school and they went out into the workforce and and created magnificent careers for themselves. And I think we're probably more advanced than we are now. Um, because we sort of hide behind education. We say, yeah, we're going to go through high school, then we're going to university, and then we might do a honours degree. Um, and it seems to slow that progression down um, from, I guess, um, adolescence to, to adulthood. Yeah, well, so I'm kind of conflicted on this because in some sense we, we have 
as technology is advanced, we we have a greater need for higher skill labor, right? Mm. So you know now. Um, with everything that we do in the workforce, let's say if it's in medicine or if it's in tech or if it's in engineering, gotcha. you, you need to know more to be able to get those jobs. And so in some sense, we, we, you, you would, it would necessitate more education. Now, does that mean it's the same education that is currently structured to your point just a second ago? No, it could be better where if I'm going to get a um, you know, computer engineering degree that I'm doing some hands-on, I'm learning the theory behind it, far better preparation. Yeah. Um, cause to your point, I think earlier I was an economics degree or major, I'm not sure what yours was, but you're right that you don't always use these things in your daily life. And so a lot of it can come off as that's wasted. And that, yeah. I think that's a valuable, I think it's a legitimate criticism. Well, I think it's probably a, a bit of a bad call too, because I'm, I'm sure there's facets of what I learned and what I experienced through that few years that actually has helped. Yeah, I would, you know, I would agree with you. You know, for example, in my case, um, my economics degree, um, I don't really use it so much in a daily basis, but you know, macroeconomics is very valuable looking at like investing and all kinds of things that served me very well. And it's, it's also my hobby now. Like I love it. And so I, I'm still a geek about it, <laughs> but anyway, but, but yeah, how much does it apply to what I was doing as an entrepreneur? Yeah. It's tough to say. It's just fun. I guess that's the journey of, of discovering thyself is, you know, going through these processes and, and Hey, is this for me? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Um, and then making a decision on which way to turn from there. And that's certainly what I think a lot of us have to do about with the education. I mean, and the, the changing nature of, of work and, and the workforce, is education going to be necessary for everyone or is there still going to be that balance between, hey, these people are more suited for it and these people aren't? No, I think that was one. I think you're touching on something that I think was a mistake, which is that college is for everybody. I, I don't believe that's true. I, I don't believe and I'm not saying that because I don't believe that everybody has the capability to go through it and succeed. I think that they can. Um, I have like a huge admiration for the human spirit, but I think that not everybody necessarily should. I mean, to give you an example, in the U.S., we have a huge shortage in welders, right? People who are skilled tradesmen. Hmm. And there are people who can go through a trade school who already are, have really uh, good, you know, they, they already have a proclivity towards being very good at that and then do well their entire life and be much happier. And that's great. Well, then you just need a really good trade school or someone to really show you how to do it and maybe learn all the new techniques. And that's more appropriate. Where for, for example, myself, I'm a terrible welder. I've tried. I'm not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I could learn. Uh, but so, no, I think that you're right, that I think there needs to be more help. But, but let me tell you this also. There is no good third-party resource for adults to make that decision. The only apparatus that we have to have any guidance in life, you know, let's say aside from our parents, is when we're in high school, we typically have some guidance counselors who are really not that available. No, it's scarce at best. Exactly. I, I feel the same. And usually their guidance is very college focused. It's not about, you know, career focused and whatnot. And so I think that there's a, a huge opportunity, which I'm trying to have us fill as well, to provide some guidance and help people kind of, you know, figure out what what pathway is right for them? Because it isn't always a um, philosophy degree at a university. No, but if you, if we could start teaching, you know, the fundamentals of preparing us for what's after high school education, um, you know, how to critically think, how to self-discover and start rolling that out, then perhaps we'd be in a better stance to make those decisions because most of us just finish high school and then go, okay, I'm going to get a degree. What degree do I want? Well, I was good at math, so I'm going to go into engineering. You know, we, we make very uneducated decisions, which are paramount to the future of our lives. No, you're right. And, you know, it would be one thing if that decision didn't have such a huge cost in terms of time and money, True. right, to what we were talking about earlier. But you're right, because of the because of the impact of that cost and that time, it is a big decision that people, you're right, kind of make a flippant kind of decision towards it. Well, there's no integration there. You know, it's that's uh, right, and perhaps there needs to be more of that. But that's uh, another topic, I suppose. With with the um, education materials, the courses, etc. Um, this is another area which I see to be a bit of a must be a bit of a problem out there. Anyway, 
but what are we teaching? Because what we're teaching now may not be relevant for you know five years time. Oh, I think that's true. Well, oh, do, do you mean just in general, or do you mean specifically with what like we're doing with 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 the courses that you offer or universities offer? Um, how relevant are they? I mean, how relevant are they going to be if if things are still going to be changing at, at such a rapid pace? Well, you know, it, it definitely it definitely depends on each field. So I'll give you an example of the way that we look at it, and I think that a lot of groups kind of look at this in the same way. Some fields change rapidly. You know, computer science would be yeah. one of those. Yeah. And so the updates that need to be made to our computer science course would happen far more often than, let's say, our history course. Because you could have someone who has synthesized sure. historical events um, in, let's say, the ancient history, and that is just as relevant 200 years ago as it is today. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, it, I think it depends on the field, depends really. The and, field. and yeah. you know, for the courses that we offer, everything that we do is introductory. So it's all under undergrad introductory. So, you know, um, introduction to computer science, introduction to robotics, history, um, introduction to environmental science, all of these things that just give people a taste of what it's going to be like, because that's the big part of it, right? You want to make, you want people to remove the mystique of the challenges that they're going to face that yeah. will they be successful, all of these things. And, you know, will they be interested? You know, that's another thing you think too. And so we try to pick things that are interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that. A bit of a, a platter to taste from before you dive fully in. That's right. Yeah. So one of the things you're not going to find on the course is, you know, we even though that for most of your undergrad courses you may need to take, let's say, an algebra or a calculus, we don't offer that on the platform yet. We may at one point, but nobody's going to be excited as an adult to go back in and just take a calculus course. Not gonna not not for the average person. No. <laughs> what? Uh, how do you keep people excited and and uh, involved and and going, I suppose, rather than just sitting back and enrolling and then not too active. Yeah. So we're, we're going to be rolling out some really neat gamification. So come comp kind of like, you know, competitive, like, you know, um, all in good spirit, of course, yeah. competition among other students and how you're progressing and whatnot to keep people engaged, to cater to that. Um, you know, our student advisors really help everybody come up with a goal yeah. because I think that's the key thing. If you have a goal, not only are you more like let's so let's say for example we were speaking on the um, they're speaking with you and they learn more about the situation and you're saying you know I really want to go into law enforcement okay and you know I need this criminal justice degree for example well great well let's first figure out you should start researching and find a right school that could be a good fit for you and then that does two things gives you a goal so you're more most you're more likely to achieve it and two then you can back out what courses you can take from us what discounts you can get so it really does solve a lot of the issues so that's we're really big on that let's come up with a goal yeah okay yeah and that's uh yeah necessary for life in general i think a lot of us are living without goals and and that makes it quite mundane you're right and yeah i i feel that i feel that way as well usually when we have very specific goals and things we're trying to achieve we we achieve them yeah well, it just makes it more entertaining doesn't it like if you have a goal just a goal for the day and then a goal for the week a goal for the year I just think it makes um, makes it more interesting, and especially if those goals are aligned with what you you know what you value. Yeah, I agree. What um, what am I missing here? What questions haven't we sort of asked, or what what areas haven't we delved into? Is there anything else um, here that we could jump into before we go into the other questions that I've got for you? You know, no, I think we've I think we've covered it quite well. Awesome, I like that. Hey, um, what routines and rituals do you have that you believe contribute to your success? That's a great question. Well, I think that I think that probably the greatest thing is that I, as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges, and you would I, th- I think you would agree with this, is that it's a black hole. You can spend as much time; it never ends because you're you're you you want to yeah. continue to build, and so there's never enough time in the day, and there's never enough different opportunities you can pursue. Yeah. So one of the things that really keeps me focused is that above my uh, desk, I've got you know photos of my family, and and so I know that every hour, anything that I'm going to spend time on, is taking that time away from them, and it really pushes me to be very efficient with my time, and to not chase rabbits down holes that are 
um, that I'm less sure of will yield a good benefit overall. Right. So and, a nice reminder of the effectiveness of time, of your use yeah, of time. Yeah, I think exactly. I think especially if you're going to be um, doing your own entrepreneurial venture that the, the thing you have to really keep track of is time because that is something that you could just throw yourself at hours and hours, weekends and weekends, um, because you're, you're mission driven, but it could all be in vain. You don't necessarily need to throw that time, but you are willing to, because you can. Yeah. I think that's a good point to, um, you know, schedule and not only schedule the activities for your day, but scheduling those activities around your values, like activities, time for your family, et cetera. Um, you know, probably pretty aligned with that as well. Yeah, you really got to hold your time in a very high regard. And um, and not to say that I don't spend a lot of time helping and uh, where I'm not going to get a benefit. You know, you, you just you, you want to do that to make yourself feel better and to know that you're helping someone. So that's always there. But you just have to be very mindful of it. Hmm. Yeah. How do you how do you keep yourself mindful of the practices you do mindfulness activities? You know, ultimately, you have to prioritize and have everybody help you. So, for example, um, I re- we get an immense amount of fan mail, if you will, <laughs> from people using the platform. And uh, like we've never had to pay for a testimonial. We just, they just fly in really heartfelt stories. Hmm. And I want to read every single one of them. Yeah. Uh, just because it helps me keep uh, a, a finger on the pulse of what's going on. And I really enjoy reading those. So I just have to make sure I have my team only send me, you know, a a group that gives me a really good, um, cross section of that because I just can't, I can't do it. I'll be reading them all day and I'd love to, but I just can't because we wouldn't be building then. So you just have to utilize people and systems to help, um, vet a lot of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. What, uh, what advice would you give your 20 year old self? Wow. I think I would I think I would tell them, you know, buy Bitcoin. (laughs) If only. (laughs) You know, it's kind of sad about that. I was uh, back in about 2009, 2010. I'm kind of, I've got some nerdy tendencies and I was looking up different um, algorithms and with currencies and came across that famous white paper about Bitcoin. I remember reading it. I'm thinking, God, this is phenomenal. Like there's so many applications for this and with like blockchain. And I remember looking at it, it was like, I think it was like $9 for a Bitcoin at that point. And like all the stories about a guy paying for, you know, like 50,000 for a pizza or whatever it was. And, uh, I remember thinking, ah, there's time. And I just kept putting it off and putting it off. Uh, but I was so behind it, but it was following it. I never bought a single Bitcoin. And then by the time I woke up and I was out of, you know, out of startup building, it had already taken off. I'm thinking, what an idiot. So it really, when I make that joke, it's a good focus that, or a good lesson in that you, you can't stay so myopic and, um, focused on whatever you're doing. You need to have that time to step away, not throwing every hour a day at something to gain perspective and to, to look at everything else that's around you. Mm, yeah. Very good point. Uh, and on the point, point of Bitcoin too, how many things did you see that, uh, you thought was fascinating at the time that hasn't actually taken off? You know, most of them actually have like the one that I I thought was fascinating (laughs) for that was that property ownership, because at the time I was thinking, well, if you have if you have this blockchain technology where you can, you know, you've got this register that would just based on the, you know, the anonymous, like you could anonymize um, a transaction. Well, then you would you could decentralize all kinds of ownership, like property, for example, you would need to have, um, you know, all this apparatus with government and whatnot, but, or, or with like domain names, you wouldn't need the domain name authority, but a lot of companies have come out obviously that now has it evolved to do that. So, um, Mm. those are my initial thoughts. Yeah. Okay. How do you define success? I, it's happiness, you know, because honestly, I, I think that it's a tragedy like, you know, when people look at Bill, um, uh, Steve Jobs, for example, I look at Steve Jobs and, you know, there's obviously people look at him as an icon and perhaps that's appropriate. But you look at someone who, you know, was he, you know, I don't know, I'm torn if maybe did he live his life to the fullest or was it was it for 
the best purposes. Like, you know, you know, we have the story that sure he, he launched Apple in a, in a, and an incredible wave of technology. Um, but at the same time, he like neglected his first daughter. Um, I'm not saying anything that's not in the books or what's written about it. Hmm. And so was he really happy or, or, or maybe he was, and was that the right thing that he should have done? I don't know. I, I'm always conflicted by that. So I think that if someone, so I guess you could argue if he was really happy just living in that world up into the day he died, well, I guess then that's success, but it's not necessarily well, we know, unless we could ask him. Exactly. And I think though, but I think a lot of people look at it as, as, uh, the financial elements, but when, you know, most well, people I see, hmm. Yeah. And the most people, the sad thing is that most people I see who have some financial success, they, they build up their expenses to, to match that and just become slaves to keeping up with whatever lifestyle doesn't really make them happy. Mm. Um, you know, like on my, in my street, I see the most ridiculous cars and I know that these people based on, you know, what they tell me that they do, um, they're not independently wealthy, but if they just stop buying some of these things that I'm, I can't imagine gives them real fulfillment, like a, you know, whatever kind of sports car or luxury car. Well, you could just enjoy your life and not have to do anything. You could pursue anything you want. And so to me, I, I see, I think it's kind of sad in a lot of ways, because I don't think those people truly are happy. They, they haven't asked, they haven't followed the maxim of know thyself. No, no, absolutely. hundred percent. What, um, what sort of skills or resources tools, techniques do you have to help you with your overall effectiveness or productivity? It's a great question. So I wish you could uh, see my desk. So the very first thing is I've been using four monitors before I knew anybody who used four monitors. Wow. And uh, so I've got four monitors. I've got a vertical keyboard so that my, um, which helps with um, carpal tunnel. And I'm uh, a standing desk that kind of moves up and down. So first thing is my, my, my operating area. And I would never work on a laptop because I think that it's just, you cannot get enough done quick enough. So I've really pushed myself that the tools that I use enabled me to be as efficient and fast as possible. Um, it's interesting. I always work on a laptop. I know, which is, which I know it sounds weird because most people that I know who are similar to like what we do, they love working on a laptop, right? Taking it somewhere like, um, coffee shop, right? Which is interesting, but no, I can't do it. I, it, one, it kills me to switch back and forth between screens. Cause normally I like looking at a screen for something, working on something else and having it all in front of me to work on it. Mm. And you can't do that. You, you can switch back and forth, but it's so annoying. <laughs> and, and then the second piece about that is that typing on a flat keyboard now starts to give me carpal tunnel where if you, you, you type on vertical keyboards, you know, you don't have that kind of problem. So it, mm. from a health perspective. So no, that's, I think first and foremost is my, my, it's like a cockpit, if you will. <laughs> like I'm like a fighter jet cockpit, uh, and uh, that's that's first. Um, and then I think there is just we live in a time where tools can can automate so much of what we do, right? Calendar mm-hmm. apps and these kinds of things. Actually, I think you probably use these to probably to more effectiveness than I do. Um, but I think that's just, it's a it's a renaissance. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit old school, eh? To be honest, I, I don't really use too many things. I, I use the calendar pretty well and certain things, but I could definitely be more effective. Um, but I think some of the, the old methods are actually more effective anyway, because they're less distracting. That, that's actually, there's a good point to that. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Like some of these things, like in the, in the, <laughs> in the goal for better efficiency, we, we get, it gets out of hand and all of a sudden we've got 50 apps we have to be keeping track of that make our lives better, supposedly. Mm. Well, so, you think, no, think about it, right. like if you've got your phone set up and you've got all these different apps that can do everything, you can do everything from your phone. Like in my career as a real estate agent, I could do everything there. Um, but I don't, I, I sort of rely on, okay, no, when I get home, I, I've got emails on the, on the computer there that's when I can check emails rather than doing it every single moment of the day. And that helps me focus on what I'm doing in that moment rather than being distracted by, you know, the apps and technologies and things that I can do, um, which I think allows for a lot greater space. That's what I'm working on. You're absolutely right. I think that, that I, I find, I find myself guilty of that because I always, 
I have an anxiety that I always want to hear news right away, whether it's bad or good. I want to know it just so I can act upon it. Hmm. And so that's a very bad, that can be a good habit, but in many cases it's a bad habit because just as you said, I'm constantly checking. No, it's I just Moorish, that. isn't it? It's just Moorish. It, it is. Absolutely. So I would love to start implementing what you've done where you really compartmentalize that time and, uh, and not sweat that. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I've just got a new phone where I'm thinking about putting there, everything there. So I could do everything from my phone and then just practice the discipline of not being distracted by it, which, you know, turning off notifications and all that and just having some self-discipline, it can be done. Um, but I'm still guilty of being distracted by things on my phone, you know. Um, but I definitely think, think there's some value. Like, why do you have to check, you know, we didn't go out and check the mailbox every five minutes, yet these days we check our inbox every two minutes. Um, it seems counterproductive. So anyway. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those things that as technology's emerged, it's it's created sometimes more bad than good. I mean, how amazing someone can get a hold of you instantly, but that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, it's the use, you know, it's, it's not so much the application, it's the, it's how we use it, but um, like a lot of things in life. You're what, right. Um, what, what meal would you request if it was your last? <laughs> I've got a very odd diet here that you touched on. Um, so I think my last meal would be, uh, that's a really good question. What's I have to think diet? about this because well, my odd diet is I, I kind of eat like a diabetic in a way. I eat um, – I'm I'm, one of my hobbies is also biochemistry and diet and whatnot. And um, and so I, I, I basically live where sugar is the enemy and oxidation is the enemy. And if you look at those two in your health, then it narrows down what you can eat. <laughs> wow. What's so, the oxidation? Uh, I, would, I, don't, I don't get that. Oh, um, so, you know, your, your, your body is constantly battling oxidative stress and oxidation is, is technically means when, when an oxygen molecule becomes reactive and when it's in your body and it becomes reactive, um, it, it strips away electrons from other things, making other things reactive and causing damage. Hmm. So, um, for example, think of um, rust. When you see steel rusting, hmm. that's because of oxidation. Yeah. And most damage you see out there is because of that. Huh. Oxygen is just a very damaging molecule. It just it, it is. So your body's meant to combat that. And so a lot of times, though, when you're eating foods or certain things, you're 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 adding so much oxidative stress. It's just doing untold kinds of damage to your body. So I'll give you an example. Um, when you cook meat, if you burn the meat, or even if you don't burn it, even if you can't see it, you're, you're, you're doing real harm that when you eat it, that causes cancer and these kinds of things. So for example, I love steak and I would love to have in that last meal, I would probably have a filet mignon, right? Cause I would try not to care about this. All right, I'm just gonna have a filet mignon and be done with it. Um, but you know, you gotta be, uh, but you have to be careful because if you're eating things like that, it can cause, a, um, you know, it's, um, real problems to like your circulatory system. Okay. That's interesting. So you'd have a nice steak then? Be I think I would. <laughs> yeah, throw it out the window. If it's, if it's my last meal, why not, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's okay. That makes, yeah, it's interesting. Um, what what book would you pass down to your children or future generations? One book. One book. Wow. That would be a tough one. One book. I've got a, lot, I've got a pretty big library. Yeah, I know. Um, That's why I don't ask myself this question. Ah, wow. You know what? It would probably be something by Murray Rothbard. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a, uh, a philosopher and a economist that was really very famous for pairing together um, libertarian philosophies, which are all about um, people giving people freedom and free market um, philosophies and, and putting those together to make the case for um, the best, most peaceful and free world. And I think that, so I think he's a genius, regardless of whether, you What's know, his name, Murray? Murray Rothbard. Rothbard. Uh, Bard, yeah, B-A-R-D. B-A-R-D, okay. Fascinating. And, and everything he writes is just incredible. And he's such an amazing writer as well. Like he's a very, he's not a, his writing's not obtuse or cryptic. It's, it's clear. He's, so he's always an excellent writer. So everything yeah. you write, you enjoy reading. But then he's, he's a genius. So it would probably be something from his canon, I would say. But that's a that's a really that's a that's a great question, and, and I'm actually got to think about that and reflect on that because I'm I 
I always think that I'm going to have time to make all of these recommendations from my library to my children, but I need to really condense that down to a handful of what I think is the most important. That's incredibly hard because there's, there's yeah. so many for different applications of life, I suppose. What would, what would yours be, just for just curiosity? I don't, I don't know if I could answer it. I don't know if I have one that stands out, to be honest. Um, yeah. I mean, th- there would be many, and it would be applied to depending on, on what that particular generation might need at the time. So if it's mindfulness, there might be one from a selection of mindfulness books that you know I think would provide the most education in that sense. That's so, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, I, don't, but- I don't think I have one. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. a, that's a tough question. But I, honestly, thank you. I, I'm going to reflect on that because I really now I'm 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 almost shocked that I couldn't even come up with let's say three. Well, <laughs> you, look at, you, know, little like, you look at diet. There, there's there's going to be a, a book on diet that you could probably say, hey, this was you know this would be the most suitable or the biggest bang for your buck. Um, you know. So yeah, yeah anyway. sadly I can't. I don't think there is one definitive one. I know you'd think there would be, but no, I, I don't think I don't even think I can do it on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of stumped. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, these are these are the questions. Um, what right. uh, what activity gives you the greatest sense of joy? This might be a little bit easier. Yeah, I would say now this is just being with uh, with, with children, which is a weird thing. I never thought I wanted to even have kids, yeah. um, and uh, but it, it was it's 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 had a profound transformation on me. And um, aside from that, I, I really like learning. I, I I know that sounds possibly contrived, but I, and I don't really care what the medium is. I I. I most of my time spent is like, I don't watch TV anymore. Um, cause I, it's just not interesting enough for me. I'd rather be learning or reading something. So I think that if I was going to be, if you asked me, Oh, Hey, go relax. That's what I would go do. Yeah. Probably the kids read. Yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. What, um, okay. Last question. What do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do? Yeah, the freedom, the freedom for to have happiness, which is I think that most people yeah. kind of lose sight of. I've got a you know in one way we talked about this earlier. One thing I think that's kind of tragic about my prior life before this you know that event was that when I was even a young kid, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My parents were entrepreneurs, but I wanted to be one because I wanted the freedom, and I didn't know what I was going to do with the freedom, but I just wanted the freedom to do anything. Hmm. It wasn't about money. And what's so sad is that during that process, I became a slave in my attempt to achieve freedom. Like the irony in that, hmm. you know, again, head down. Do, yeah. Not, yeah, a lot of us do. And that's what's kind of sad. And so you really have to think about it a lot to keep that, that clarity. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it was freedom that I used to think was, was the driving motivation for everything until I, I realized that it's actually happiness that came from freedom. Um, right. Yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree. What uh, Man, a great conversation. Thank you, Grant, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. How can people best reach out to you? Yeah, Lee, thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I'm humbly excited that I was able to on your show with so many of your guests. And uh, it, it was a it was very thoughtful conversations that came from this. And uh, I, uh, yeah, best, you know, uh, LinkedIn is a great way to get a hold of me. Uh, I've got a, you know, I'm really active on LinkedIn. And uh, the website, of course, is just onlinedegree.com. You can kind of follow what we're doing with the project. But I would love to hear from people. I'll stick those links in the show notes, guys. So check it out, thehiddenwhy.com. I think we are episode 837. Um, So check that out at thehiddenwhy.com. Thanks, Grant. Congrats to you, by the way. That's a that is that is a massive achievement. How many people can say that they've gotten to that amount with that kind of a fan base? I'm waiting for uh, a thousand. <laughs> All right. Actually, I've, I've given up counting, really. But um, there you go. Yeah. Thanks, mate, for coming on, and appreciate the words. And um, yeah, we'll speak again soon, guys. Check it out, thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. 
You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon